Hello, and thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast from Prism Insurance Agency. As you know, we put in a ton of time and effort to make each of our shows as valuable as we can. If you find the information useful, please share this podcast with a friend by emailing it to them or sharing this on the social media site of your choice. A goal I think a lot of us share is having a long and healthy life. The miracle of modern medicine has now made that possible for many people. However, one of the side effects is the disease of Alzheimer's. The greatest risk factor is age. Do we really understand what this terrible disease means to ourselves and our families? What can be done to help us deal with this terrible disease? And what steps can you take to make it easier for you and your family should you face this terrible disease in your lifetime? Joining us today is Diane Bond, who is the Education and Training Services Manager at the Southeastern Wisconsin Chapter of the Alzheimer's Association. She joined the organization in 2005 and has a strong background in education specializing in the training for healthcare professionals. And we look forward to her sharing with us how to better recognize and what treatment sources are available for someone who's facing Alzheimer's. Welcome, Diane. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, we're really glad to have you today. I know Tony and I both have family members who have suffered from this terrible disease. It seems like it's a pretty prevalent disease, and I don't know what the projections look like, but I got to imagine with life expectancies expanding and people living longer, that Alzheimer's is becoming more and more prevalent in today's society. Most definitely. One of the major risk factors for Alzheimer's disease is age onset of Alzheimer's disease is usually around the age of 65. The average median age right now for diagnosis is around 72. So we're seeing more and more of it as people are living longer and longer. In 1900, your life expectancy was 40 years old. So you weren't seeing a whole heck of a lot of Alzheimer's disease out there. But now, of course, people are living to be much older, and so it's something that we are seeing in a much higher number than we had ever before, and we expect to continue to see that. There are an estimated 5.4 million people with Alzheimer's today in the United States. This is a worldwide disease as well, but in the United States, we expect by 2050, there will be 16 million people with the disease. That's dramatic. And you mentioned, of course, these are U.S. figures, correct? Correct. Is there a significant difference in different countries? No, because everybody gets older. Age is the big risk factor here. And so what we're finding now is this is a worldwide concern. And annually, the Alzheimer's Association hosts an international conference where we have folks from all over the world who are researching all of the different aspects of the disease, come together, brainstorm, share ideas, and then go back to the drawing board and continue to work on this. So you don't see it less prevalent in one area or the other, unless, of course, it's an age-related issue where you have people under a certain age and therefore you have less of an incidence. Diane, let's talk a little bit more about why we're seeing more Alzheimer's now than ever before. Sure. One of the things that is prevalent for us seeing more people is that doctors now have a better idea of what they're looking for. Imaging technology has gotten better. Diagnostic techniques have gotten better. And there are now medications that treat the symptoms of Alzheimer's disease. So all of those combined are leading doctors to making more and more precise diagnoses of Alzheimer's disease, which we didn't have the luxury of doing 20 or 30 years ago. So there's been a dramatic shift in being able to identify it, but then also being able to provide support 
and treatment for the symptoms of the disease. Now, I know a lot of people kind of interchange dementia and Alzheimer's as one and the same, but they're really different. What is the difference between Alzheimer's and dementia? Dementia is a set of symptoms. So symptoms such as confusion, disorientation, memory loss, and behavior changes that interfere with day-to-day functioning, all of those symptoms together are classified as dementia. So dementia is a set of symptoms. Alzheimer's disease is one of over 70, that's 70, causes of those symptoms of dementia. So it's a disease that causes those symptoms. So Alzheimer's causes the symptoms of dementia. Dementia symptoms cannot cause Alzheimer's because they're just symptoms. They're caused by something. And that's why it is so important that anyone who is experiencing the symptoms that I've just described needs to get to their doctor to check and find out what is causing those symptoms because those symptoms can also be caused by things like Lyme disease, a brain tumor, any other infection that might be in the body, poor nutrition, medication interactions. So if someone has come away from their doctor with a diagnosis of dementia, it's important for them to go back and ask what's causing these symptoms because it may be something treatable which needs immediate attention, but if it is Alzheimer's disease, then it's time to start working on planning, looking forward, and taking the best care possible of themselves as the disease moves forward. What about just the difference between normal aging concerns and Alzheimer's? Normal aging is something that we all start experiencing usually around the age of 28, believe it or not. Things like walking into a room and forgetting why, forgetting names of people, forgetting faces, forgetting a word, and then it coming to you later on. All of us have experienced those to one extent or the other. And with those particular experiences, folks begin to worry as they get more and more prevalent as they get older. So at age 28, we're not experiencing those things very frequently. However, as we get older, we notice it more and more and begin to worry. One of the rules of thumb for determining is it normal or do I need to worry is that if you can remember you forgot, you're okay. So if you know that you walked into the room and can't remember why you walked into the room, if you remember that you've lost your keys and misplaced them in a couple of places several times this week, the fact that you know you forgot means that what you're dealing with is normal aging. If you, however, are told by someone that you've been forgetting your keys and you get very, very defensive because you know you haven't forgotten your keys, that's serious memory loss and needs to be checked into. Does it really make a difference if there's early detection or can that make a big difference for someone who has Alzheimer's? Early detection is important on several levels. The first one being that when you do identify the symptoms, getting a diagnosis that is indeed accurate, making sure it isn't something that is treatable and can be reversed. And secondly, having the knowledge that this is indeed Alzheimer's disease allows the person to plan for the future. As the disease progresses, folks become less and less able to manage their own affairs, balance a checkbook, being able to do many things on their own, including important decision-making. That's why after the diagnosis of the disease, it's so important for people to look at their assets, look at the information that they have, sit down with their financial planner, talk about planning for the future, and talk about what the plans are going to be in general for everyone who is in 
involved. It isn't just the person who's been diagnosed with the disease. It's also the entire family and their close circle of friends that are affected as well. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, let's explore a great resource that looks like the Alzheimer's Association provides called Know the Ten Signs Early Detection Matters, so please stay tuned. I'm Leslie Bibb. Everything changed the day my mother received the awful call that there had been an accident and my father hadn't survived. Suddenly, she was faced with having to raise four girls on her own. But my mom's burden was lessened by my dad's thoughtfulness. His life insurance kept our family together and enabled us to carry on. My father loved us enough to expect the unexpected. Learn more at lifehappens.org, a public service message from the nonprofit Life Foundation. Welcome back as we continue a conversation today with Diane Bond, who's the Regional Education and Training Service Manager for the Alzheimer's Association. We're talking about recognizing Alzheimer's and, of course, potential treatments and the reality of how prevalent it is in our society. I think you mentioned before the break that based on the National Institute study of aging, nearly 5 million people in the USA today have a form of Alzheimer's, and the numbers are expected to triple by 2050 as boomers age. So that's pretty staggering, and it's certainly something to talk about. Let's talk about the warning signs, and again, I referenced a great resource. Do you make this available to the general public, know the 10 signs early detection matters? Absolutely. Folks can get a brochure by calling their local Alzheimer's Association. Our 800 number is nationwide, and I'll give that to you. It's 1-800-272-3900. There's also information online at our website at www.alz.org. If you head out to that website, you'll be able to type in Know the Ten Signs, and you'll get a wealth of information about what to be looking for. Well, let's cover number one here, memory changes that disrupts the daily lifestyle. Right, and that is when folks forget recently learned information. Others might forget important dates or events might ask for the same information over and over and have to rely heavily on memory aids, reminder notes, or electronic devices. So they also may rely heavily on family members to assist them in remembering things. Now, all of us like to use notes here and there, but for folks who are dealing with severe memory loss, they're writing things down because truly when they read it again after they've written it down, they may not remember that they had actually taken the time to write it down. So using all of those things may indicate that there is a problem. So how about challenges in planning or solving problems? Well, some people may experience changes in their ability to develop and follow a plan or work with numbers, as I mentioned before, balancing a checkbook. They also may have trouble following a familiar recipe or even doing something simple like making coffee in the morning. And when folks have difficulty concentrating and can no longer do things that they did before, that would definitely be a warning sign. Let's talk about the third sign, which is difficulty completing familiar tasks at home, at work, or at least. Folks with Alzheimer's disease often find it hard to complete daily tasks. Sometimes people may have trouble driving to a familiar location, managing a budget at work, or even remembering the rules of a favorite game. How about number four, confusion with time or place? Folks may lose track of dates the seasons, or even the passage of time. So if somebody who is dealing with this challenge may feel that several hours have passed when actually only five minutes have lapsed. 
sometimes they may forget where they are or how they got there. Let's talk about number five, trouble understanding visual images and spatial relationships. For some people, having vision problems is a sign of Alzheimer's. They may have difficulty reading, judging distance, and determining color or contrast. In terms of perception, they may pass a mirror and think someone else is in the room, or if they do see their own reflection, they may want to know who the person is that is there in the mirror. How about number six, new problems with words and speaking or writing? Folks may have trouble following or joining a conversation, so they may stop in the middle of a sentence and then have no idea how to continue. Or they may just start from the beginning and repeat themselves. There are struggles with vocabulary, having problems finding the right word, or calling things by the wrong name. So calling a watch a hand clock or calling a camera a cheese-it. Number seven, misplacing things and losing the ability to retrace steps. Folks with Alzheimer's may put things in unusual places. Sometimes they feel that they have lost something and then can't go back over their steps to find them again. Sometimes they are feeling very paranoid and may accuse others of stealing. And this may increase as the disease progresses. And how about number eight? And this kind of sounds like it kind of ties in with a lot of the others, and that's decreased or poor judgment. Absolutely. Folks with Alzheimer's may experience changes in their judgment of things as well as being able to make decisions. For example, they may use poor judgment when dealing with money and in some cases may give large amounts to telemarketers or start sending out large amounts in solicitation through the mail. This can be a very, very disconcerting area of the disease and needs to be checked into right away. And then number nine, withdrawal from work or social activities. A person with Alzheimer's might start to remove themselves from hobbies, social activities, work projects, or sports. They may have trouble keeping up with their favorite sports team or even remembering how to complete a favorite hobby. They may also avoid being social because of the changes they have experienced and they are embarrassed to continually repeat themselves or that they know that they don't recognize other people that they are talking to. And number 10, changes in mood or personality. Well, the mood and personalities of people with Alzheimer's disease can shift. Folks can become confused, suspicious, depressed, even fearful, and anxious. They may be easily upset at home, at work, with friends, or in places when they are out of their comfort zone. One of the important things that is there for folks with Alzheimer's disease is being in an area where they feel safe, which is usually home, in surroundings that they can recognize. When people become anxious when they aren't in that comfort zone, it's time to take a look at things and see how we can figure out what's going on. Okay, so if you have any questions about these warning signs, obviously, what does the Alzheimer's Association recommend you do? The Alzheimer's Association recommends that you give us a call at our 800 number, again, one 800-272-3900 and one of our staff members will talk to you in more detail about your questions. Please know that there's no such thing as a dumb question or, oh, this must be normal, I'm okay. Please call us at any time with any question. It is so important to identify early and get to know what is happening with you as you are dealing with these challenges. Diane, if a family is ready to consult a physician, would you reach out to a particular specialist? All of the Alzheimer's Association chapters throughout the United States have lists 
of local physicians who specialize in working with those with Alzheimer's disease and the symptoms of dementia. So if you call our offices, you will be able to get referrals to folks who know what they're doing. Again, this is a very important part of the diagnostic steps because you do want to have someone who has experience in the area, is staying up on the latest research, latest treatments, and knows how best to interact with folks who are dealing with these challenges. The 10 topics that we talked about, Diane, how typical is it for a person to recognize this themselves versus a family or friend who's going to see it from the outside and say, maybe it's time that we seek some help? A lot of times it's a combination of both. A family member may approach a loved one and say, I've noticed that you've been forgetting your glasses in the dining room, in the living room, in the kitchen, and the person may say, you know, I thought there might have been something going on. I'm so glad that you saw it too. It's important for family and friends to point things out to a loved one with these challenges to help them identify what's going on, but also to let them know that what they're experiencing and what they're noticing is indeed something real. Many times folks will doubt themselves, think it's something that just happens because you're getting older, and that's where this information comes in very handy to be able to say, I think we need to go and get this checked out because this just isn't who you usually have been in the past. Is there a consistent process or procedure used across the country for the evaluation phase to reach a diagnosis? There are dementia diagnostic clinics going by various names throughout the United States. And again, the Alzheimer's Association can help determine where the closest one is to you. But the diagnostic process is not quick. It's not something that happens in five minutes, but includes things like going over family history, finding out if there is a incidence of Alzheimer's in the family itself, determining what the current lifestyle is, talking to the person about how they're feeling now, interviewing family and friends about what they're observing, possibly checking into medications that are currently being taken to find out if there might be some medication interactions going on. Imaging might be done, checking via MRI, a PET scan, or even CT scan to see if there are any abnormalities that show up. Primarily, the diagnostic process for Alzheimer's disease is a process of elimination, making sure that it isn't Lyme disease, making sure it isn't a tumor, making sure it isn't a severe infection somewhere. And as those things are narrowed down, then the physician is better able to make a diagnosis of Alzheimer's disease. Alzheimer's disease can only 100% be diagnosed upon autopsy. Right now, the doctors who are currently making diagnosis of Alzheimer's are anywhere from 96 to 98% accurate in their diagnoses. It's gotten a lot better over the last 30 years, but the only way to truly identify the hallmarks that occur in the brain that cause Alzheimer's disease is when a slide of brain tissue is looked at underneath the microscope. The only way to determine if it is indeed Alzheimer's disease is to look at a slide of brain tissue under the microscope. Now, Diane, you talked about a little bit earlier about this being a collaborative effort between the person who's suffering potentially from Alzheimer's and the family, and then you talked about this process and procedures, and I know other people are thinking the same way I am. My grandmother passed away from Alzheimer's, and she was one of those very defensive people. 
Anytime you talked about maybe needing help or getting help, she would basically just go ballistic. And she's a mild-mannered person, but that was one of the mood changes we recognized. Any tips for people that are dealing with a situation like that where someone is very defensive or angry or is just really hard to deal with in trying to get help? That's a very common response. And if everyone listening would think a moment about how they would feel if they didn't recognize their surroundings, they didn't know who the people around them were, they knew that they were forgetting how to do things, but they weren't sure what it was they were forgetting and not being sure what you should do next. If you think about how you'd feel in that situation, day in and day out, I'm sure many people would agree that you would feel angry, frustrated, and upset with the world. And this is a lot of what we see with folks with Alzheimer's disease who are noticing these changes. And perhaps one of the most devastating things is, is that people don't know what's causing the problems and they also know they have no control. One of the things that we love as human beings is, number one, being independent and number two, being in control. All of that slips away gradually as people are dealing with Alzheimer's disease and it makes them very, very angry. When approaching someone about this, if you notice that a loved one is indeed very defensive and upset, let them know that it's okay, that you're there for them, that you're there to be with them for the long haul. It doesn't change how you feel about them or how much you love them and that you're there for them. Letting them know that it's okay is maybe one of the best things that you can do because people are trying to live up to their expectations for themselves in their relationship with you. I've got to be the strong one. I have to be the one who's older and knows best. I'm the one that needs to be able to provide information. And when that slips away, the person becomes very angry at everyone around them. The key is not to give the anger back, not get mad, not get upset, but rather let the person know whatever's going on is okay. We have a lot of tips and hints about how to deal with this at our organization. Again, folks can call our 800 number at 800-272-3900 or look up a question out on our website at www.alz.org. That's been a fabulous segment and so informative. I know our listeners appreciate this kind of information. And one great news that I have is that you've been gracious enough to continue to join us for a segment two, which you're going to have to tune in next week. And we're going to talk about financial planning issues and dealing with Alzheimer's. So make sure you join us again next week. For this week, thanks for joining us today, Diane. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for joining us this week. And tune in again next week as we explore another phase of the real wealth process. And remember, if anything you heard in today's show you'd like to get more information about, contact your Real Wealth Advisor. Also, if you feel that any of this information will be helpful to Thank a friend or family member, just click the podcast from Prism Insurance Agency. We've got additional information and links in our show notes, which you can click on to learn more. If you have any questions about any of the topics covered or would like to learn more, you can go to our website, www.myprisminsurance.com. You can reach out to us on Facebook or LinkedIn or Twitter. Call us at 951-243-2800 or email me directly at prob at myprisminsurance.com. The email is in the show notes as well. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in and have a wonderful week.